0: remember that did you ever see the guy from saying that song chocolate rain yeah (laughs) it always takes a really long chocolate (gasps) rain (laughs) (laughs) so ridiculous
1: Uh, and we just recorded that that's great Welcome to the Random Runner, episode number seven. Uh, I'm joined here with Eric, and Hello. today's going to be a fun episode. We got the C-Money, Chris Mako, joining us in a few moments. Um, Can't wait to get the Chris Mako show on the show. Yeah, it should be, should be fun. Have some good laughs and some good backstory. Um, you've got a race this weekend.
0: Yep, coming up, running marathon on Sunday.
1: You're hoping for a decent PR Yep. like 50. it's
0: definitely gonna be a PR for sure but uh, how big we don't know yet that's undetermined
1: never never say it's going to be guaranteed you never know did I say guaranteed I don't know I heard I heard definitely oh sorry you said definitely going to be a PR yes so now you have to perform otherwise on the next episode we'll get to dissect and make fun <laughs> of your failure that's gonna be awesome but yeah I I think the potential for
0: a 15 minute PR is pretty realistic. The goal, though, is closer to 20 minutes, trying to break the 330 mark. And uh, we'll see how that goes. It's going to be super challenging. The weather is going to be rainy, hopefully not too windy. That's my biggest concern is wind. Yeah. Because usually the wind comes from the south up here, and it's predominantly a south-facing course. So that'll be challenging. And there's a new climb in the middle because they had to alter the course due to the the car fire last summer.
1: Uh yeah. The and bridges are still out. Yep.
0: So there's going to be a little bit more climbing, and uh, hopefully it's just not too steep. It's more spread out, more gradual, so yeah. I don't uh, burn out. But then on the on the other side, you get to go downhill for like five miles. So
1: yeah, nice. Yeah, I think you still end up on the last couple of hills in the last like uh, yeah, you have to do them twice miles. now. Ooh. Yep. That's a little. That's out something and back I do added. almost. I do that like twice a week. They're not that bad, but they do. After you're tired, they take the wind right. right out of you.
0: When you hit the twenty mile mark, they're a little harder.
1: Yeah. So. And meanwhile, I'm just basically hitting the reset button and getting back into training and getting that post startup uh discomfort and self-doubt and starting to get back into oh yeah, this is feeling good, you know. Nice. Well, so,
0: you, I mean, you had some pretty good runs this week?
1: Yeah. yeah I had uh you know, a comfortable and confident two times 2-mile two tempo run, not too bad. I had some lingering lung stuff, and it took a while to get rid of. I would start a run and like get asthmatic a half mile into it, and now it's uh, my lungs are feeling totally clear, awesome, ready to go. I can start hitting the hitting the rubber, whatever, hitting the pedal. There you go. Mm -hmm. Got my phrases mixed up. Hitting the trail. Yeah, totally without without the asthma stuff, so that's great.
0: Yeah, that's super frustrating though. Like you, you feel good otherwise, and you just go out and your like lungs set you set you back on your laurels. You can't go very hard. Yeah. It's super frustrating. It's it kind of reminds me back when we were starting running two years ago, at least I was, it just felt like there was one thing after another. Like it was always an injury here, a soreness there, a muscle cramp or side aches, something. Yeah. And it feels really good to run pain-free and like feel like you're in control of what you're doing.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So uh, in the world of running this uh, past couple weeks... Um, the only thing that comes to mind in recent memory is the Bandera 100K, which our guest Chris ran and got his golden ticket for Western States. Um, the other winners, there's Tyler Green and Brittany Peterson. Um, I don't know much about Tyler Green. Uh, he finished like 30 seconds in front of Chris. I'm sure we're going to hear all about that. Uh, Brittany got a, I think she's a Nike-sponsored athlete. Um she finished with 9.26, and uh, Lady Albertson got the other women's ticket. Uh, sorry, Lady Albertson's Junkins got uh, the other golden ticket um, with a time of 9.37, so 10 minutes behind first place. Wow.
0: That must be a fast course, though, for 100K?
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know. I know it's a brand new course, and it, apparently it was pretty confusing. The map oh. was like looked like it... Uh, mm, a lot of loops. Yeah, looks looked pretty confusing. So enough talking about the Bandera 100K. Let's just dive in with our interview with Chris and see how it all went down, as well as just figure out who Chris is and um, a little history.
0: Yeah, totally looking forward to getting into him. Because, I mean, I only know kind of what his current history is. I don't know much about how he got here. So I'm yeah. excited to learn more about him.
1: I did prepare this morning, though, by eating some Kodiak cakes. So should be good. Super prepared. Way to go. Well, we want to welcome Chris Mako, C Money, to our show. Welcome to the show. Glad to have you on. Super excited.
2: I don't know how to address you guys. It is morning for you. It is afternoon for me. So I'm yeah. gonna,
1: I'll go with, I'll go with that. Good afternoon. Sweet, that works. Yeah, we're yep. we're, we're pre afternoon. Yep. <laughs> we'll we'll cross over together in about forty minutes. Perfect. So, so you uh you just won your golden ticket first race of the year you're planning on doing what three golden ticket races this year
2: yeah i figured i might as well give myself as many chances uh although it's not quite like a lottery where the the more entries you make the better chance you have of winning so i don't know (laughs) i don't know what my logic was there and it certainly doesn't make a ton of sense to try to to do them in you know twice a month but uh yeah they're the they're some of the best races in the country, and they're certainly looking like they're going to have the most competitive field. So I am very relieved that I got the ticket out of the way,
1: but pretty excited to face some pretty stout competition in the, the races ahead. Yeah. Are you still going to try to run those like A races? Or are you going to kind of treat them like a training run, or what's your thoughts?
2: I haven't officially announced how I'm going to approach it, and I know the, the entire running community is, you know... <laughs> Very excited to hear how I'm gonna be approaching these. But uh, yeah, Black Canyon is in just about a month from now. And I basically decided the Monday after Bandera that I was gonna shift focus to marathon training and try to run a really good marathon at the end of March. So I, Partially because the the trails aren't really accessible here in Colorado during the winter because of the the ice and snow, but also because I I feel like getting my marathon fitness at, at least my best level that I've previously hit, or ideally a little bit faster, is just a great way to establish a nice base going into nice. the rest of the trail season. So,
1: what's your marathon, Pierre? Um, right now
2: it is two twenty-two back from twenty fifteen. Um, wow. So I've got I've got a little bit of room to work with, uh, and I certainly. There's not a lot of distance between that and the Olympic trials qualifying time, so I'd be lying if that wasn't part of the conversation, but uh, I guess we'll, we'll see what Jim does this weekend and that'll, that'll be my basis for what I need to do so I can be uh, relevant as a trail runner in the road marathoning scene.
0: Well, doesn't road marathoning sort of translate well to trail? I mean, going fast over a shorter distance helps you go slower
2: longer, right? That's what I thought when I first approach the sport. Um, so my marathon PR actually happened just before I started going after my first golden ticket and I kind of had an enlightening, very humbling experience at the way too cool 50 K where I was lining up against guys with marathon PRs that were 10 Mm -hmm. to almost 20 minutes slower than me. Okay. And I think there was a bit of fear that the distance was a little bit longer, but you know, just running on trails is a different experience. Sure. And then as soon as we hit the climbs, it was it was game over for me. So uh, wow. I, I think uh, it certainly gives you a nice base to work with. But if you if you're not comfortable running on trails, if if you know all those tiny little muscles uh, in your glutes and hip flexors aren't prepared for the undulations and the turns. And if you can't climb and descend, you're, you're going to be in trouble when you hit the trails. And I think uh, a lot of folks in the road, road world and track world take, take the trail of sport for grand a little bit and kind of downplay it as not quite the same level, but uh, it's a, it's a different beast and I've, I've certainly learned the hard way that it takes a very different type of training.
1: Yeah. I've always wondered, and I'd, I would pay money to see some of these top, top, marathoner guys, uh, you know, run a hundred miles in the mountains or something just to see how they respond. Yeah. I initially thought, you know,
2: no brainer, they're going to absolutely crush it. Once I experienced it myself, but then also returned to roads and have been running with, with a lot of road guys since then. Like there's one thing that's obvious and it's that, uh, especially track guys can be a bit more fragile, and hmm. any time you introduce any sort of hard terrain, it gets it gets a little scary for them. And even just running down hills with folks, I just notice that I'm much better at descending, and my my legs can handle that. Much easier than what they're capable of doing, and I can pull away on the descent, and I certainly can't keep up with them on flats anymore. But it's just very interesting what your body adapts to with with a couple years of of trail running in your legs. So So
0: by fragile, you mean like physically more fragile, not just emotionally or mentally.
2: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, mostly emotionally. I think uh, you know I, I see these guys who have their coaches driving along with them and biking next to them for their long runs and workouts. And I'm like, come on guys. Like (laughs) it's not that hard to carry a water bottle. And I know you're trying to go a little bit faster and I I really shouldn't talk smack, but uh, (laughs) you know, they, they complain, I think it was the LA, a course for the last Olympic trails marathon where they're like, Oh, there are four 180 degree turns. It's a really tough course. And, <laughs> and and this year they're talking about the Atlanta course as being this really hilly course. And it's got an 80 foot climb in the middle of it. And I'm like, send them the first three miles of Western States. And it's like, yeah, you climbed
1: 3000 feet in the first three miles of States. So it's, That's a, awesome. it's a little bit different guys. Yeah. yeah. So what's your running background? Did you like run in high school? Did you, did you run in college? Yeah, I started very early and
2: I, my parents introduced me to McLean Youth Track as a very early elementary school student, which was just you know fun practice once or twice a week and then a track meet on the weekend and I honestly was so nervous every time that I had to race that uh, it was not a particularly good experience. I, I have like very vivid memories of hiding in the bathroom before the start of the 400 meter, just because I was so scared to run it. And it was just like, i just provide a lot of anxiety. Like the, the, the school, the high school, the elementary school mile was always very stressful for me. And i kind of put expectations on myself and, uh, it became much more difficult when I kind of thought I was the fastest kid in the class. And then all of a sudden this new kid showed up, David price, and he started beating me I and still know his uh, name. Oh, I still know it. Cause we, uh, we kind of followed each other through elementary school, middle school, high school. And fortunately, I, I finally got the upper hand by junior year once I had gone through puberty as well. So uh, it took a while. But uh, yeah, I, did, I didn't really take it super seriously until high school. And even there, I still chased the dream of being a, a ball sport athlete. So I, mm-hmm. I played a little soccer, played a little basketball. But. I really didn't enjoy it. I think I only did it because that's what the cool kids were doing. And I certainly lost a lot of the the skills and handling that I had growing up just because I wasn't doing it year round. And I kind of just kind of bit the bullet my junior year and said, hey, uh, us runners might not be the coolest kids in the school and it might not be as respected, but I enjoy it. I really appreciate the friendships I've made on mm-hmm. this team and I'd rather be a ner- nerdy runner with these guys than try to pretend to be the cool kid in school and I think that decision probably <laughs> then shaped the next you know two decades of my life because ended up walking onto the Stanford team kind of fought my way to to make it onto the uh the f- Top seven for cross country. Wow. Finally finally qualified for an NCAA championship in the steeplechase, my fifth year. So it took a long time to to get to a at least an okay level. I wasn't wasn't competing for the the titles and I was surrounded by some of the best runners in the country. So it was always a very humbling experience to to be around those those kids. But um, certainly left me hungry in a way that I think a lot of a lot of the my teammates entered as these superstars in high school, the best Mm. in their school, the best in their state and competed at a high level their whole time in college. And I think they burnt out and Mm. um, injuries and all these other things kind of piled up. And I was very fortunate. I, I was certainly never the fastest, but I... Never seemed to get very injured. I think the worst injury I had was when somebody t-boned me on their uh, on their bike when I was trying to get back from back from a workout. So uh, I think that resilience and lack of injury. Like if I I know if I ever got injured, (laughs) especially post-collegiately, it would have been hard for me to to get back onto the train. And yeah, and uh, I think the I've always kind of been an underdog. I was never the best guy on my high school team. I was certainly not close to being the best on, on the college team, so there was always room for improvement. And it's kind of funny, we I, I laugh about it now with my teammates, but I believe I'm the only Stanford athlete in the history of the program that has been awarded the most improved athlete twice during a five-year stint. And That's awesome. <laughs> when you have those sort of massive improvements where you go from you know, barely staying on the team to qualifying for your first Pac-10s to then scoring at Pac-10s and making the national championships. Like, those are some pretty big leaps. And I I still feel like there's this massive potential for me to improve. And uh, I know there's only a couple more years left where I, I have the opportunity to do that. So I'm trying to take advantage of it while I can. But yeah, after college, it was kind of the traditional transition into roads, cross country. I joined a a local club team and competed at some of the uh, national cross country meets, the club cross country meets, shifted to half marathons, shifted to full marathons, and kind of dabbled in and out of that for almost five or six years. And then finally just got this uh, weird excitement around the trails
1: yeah so how'd you how'd you go i mean how'd you hear about that or get exposed to it was that something you already knew about or is it i i honestly don't know i i just remember
2: being at thanksgiving with my family and deciding i really want to go burn western states i i would love to go birding, but i was running a lot my dad and brother were probably out birding, and uh uh, I decided I wanted to do – I was like really into Ultra Runner podcast and like catching up on all their old episodes and the interviews they had. Some of the people they interviewed I had run with on the roads. I, I know one local name that had an influence on me was Alex Varner who I had been competing
1: with in cross country. So in, did you grew up in the Bay
2: Area? Uh, no. Were no it? I, I started on the East Coast.
1: Okay. Alex Werner is based in the Bay, right? Am I, am I right or am I wrong? That's right. That's okay, right, yeah.
2: Yeah, so we only we only competed cross-country on the club scene post-collegially. Got but it. I, I just saw what he was doing in the trail world, and, and that excited me. Uh, I thought that we were kind of similar levels athletically on on the track and on the roads and I thought oh this, this should be an easy transition for me so he certainly was an inspiration that that there was a potential for, for me in the sport and I always felt that I was a bit sturdier of a runner so I, I thought that I might fare well on the trails without really knowing and I think I was just ready for a change I had a, a really big road year that year and had many personal bests and I wasn't really sure if I was going to be able to improve on those times in the future, and I thought switching to something else, getting excited about a new discipline, it's really almost an entirely different sport, uh, would, would really get me uh, excited about
1: the, the sport again, and it, it certainly has. That's awesome. So what was your, your road to your first Western States? So I, I know that you ran the, uh, I think I watched an interview somewhere or something, where you, you won the San Francisco Marathon. Mm -hmm. And like right after that, you started going down the path of getting into Western States, right?
2: Um, Yeah. I mean, so yeah, it must've been shortly after that, immediately after the San Francisco marathon, certainly it was, it was definitely not my fastest marathon, but uh, I was competing against Jorge Maravilla, who's also uh, a big name in the, in the trail scene. And uh, he pushed me the hardest that I've ever been pushed in a marathon before. And I also knew that I was in the best shape of my life at that time, and so we we ended up going out very slowly. It's not a very fast course, but in my mind, that's kind of my marathon personal best because that was certainly the the hardest marathon that I've ever run and I ended up having the personal best later that year. So I don't, I don't think I fully transitioned to trails for some time. I actually had an Ironman a couple of weeks after that. So I, I remember finishing the marathon, having a couple of mimosas at the after party and then going home and going on a two hour bike ride. Cause I was like, I only have three weeks to get ready for this Ironman. <laughs> uh, and, uh, that went horribly. So that was a, that was a fun experience, but, um, I continued running marathons for the rest of the year. I was in the New York City marathon and then ended up PRing at the, the CIM, California International, at the end of the year. But um, the New York, New York City was a, was a great experience. I got hit with a, I think it was food poisoning. I'm not Oof. really sure. But uh, lesson learned was don't eat the meatballs. I, we had like a catered, catered dinner at our office on Thursday night, the race was Sunday woke up the next day feeling terrible and just kind of threw up throughout the weekend and thought I'd recovered in time at the start of the race and made it through the first half marathon just just around 224 pace and ended up splitting 112 for my first half marathon and almost two hours for my second so it was not mm. there were quite a few bathroom stops wow. in the second half of the race I
1: <laughs>
2: not not a uh, not my uh, fondest moment uh, but you
1: finished and got a medal right so i got that medal uh I, my whole family was there I, I think
2: they're i thought for some time that they were a jinx because every time that they showed up certainly on the roads it has not gone particularly well so uh, uh i'm not sure if that's their fault or i'm not very good at these east coast marathons and and the travel but i would like some redemption in the future so uh depending on how uh, this olympic trial's uh, training goes whether i do or do not run the trials i think targeting boston next year might be a good opportunity to place pretty high in the race simply because most americans are going to be totally destroyed from the olympic olympic trials it <laughs> might, be, might be a little bit of a weaker field so uh <laughs> that could be my uh, my one opportunity to to place high on the either on that the or it's going to be
1: all kenyans in the front
2: Right. Right. So I'll just be racing the Americans. So, uh, yeah, it'll probably be the three Americans who have terrible days at Olympic trials and are, are seeking redemption, but, mm. uh, that's fine. But yeah, so I, I really wasn't until I hit that PR and was like, I'm pretty satisfied with what I've done on the roads that I'm ready to, to transition to trails and, uh, flip the switch and started just, I had no idea what I was doing. I had very little guidance on how to train and Uh, I was living in the city, so access to trails wasn't great. I didn't have a car, and so I basically just did the same training that I had been doing, but then added in a long run on the weekend that was 30-plus miles, and that was really my only opportunity to get onto the trails. I'd run from my apartment. I think to get over the bridge was about seven and a half miles, which meant that I'd then have you know, about 20 miles on the trails in Marin before I headed home. But I didn't know what I was doing with nutrition. I don't know if I had a hydration vest. So I don't know how I even like survived those So you're runs. out there
1: 30 miles and no water. Yeah. You're, like drinking yeah. creek water.
2: Yeah, and like even then I was like scared of the hills. I was like thinking more about I need to hit a certain number of miles, not I need to hit a certain amount of elevation. So even when I crossed the bridge, I remember opting for roads, flat roads instead of the the trails, thinking like, oh, just, just getting time on feet is more important than the elevation. And that was totally wrong. Uh, so I showed up to this the Black Canyon Ultra in February of that year, went out hard with the leaders. Had what year was this? This was the start of 2016. Okay. Went out hard. This was like Sage Canaday in his prime, super mm. fit. Everyone's following him in this race. I basically have the mindset of I can never not be in second place if I want a golden ticket. Like every every aid station, I would hustle out, sprint to get out of it just so I'd make sure that i get back to second place and they were always in sight. I didn't understand this idea that, people don't know how to pace themselves well in these races and they mm. come back and you have to be patient even the elites sometimes yeah, especially the elites and <laughs> uh, so i ended up uh, paying for that pretty badly and the last 40 miles of the race were just an absolute suffer fest.
1: and that was up, your first ultra right
2: uh yeah technically i ran a 24 hour race a couple years prior but uh, i i don't it certainly wasn't on the trails it was it was around Chrissy field in san francisco and okay that uh, that was probably the biggest running mistake of my life, although it's, <laughs> uh, uh. I'm bound to do it again at this point now that I'm a, a little bit more prepared, but uh, I need some redemption, but it, it, it set me back a good, a good year of injuries and, uh, and uh, disappointment, so uh, yeah, don't need to do that anytime soon. But yeah, that was really the, the first one, and um, again, naive me. I had, I had gotten into the lottery for way too cool, so I was like, oh, I can rebound and do that a couple weeks later. Uh, that race went even more poorly where I just wasn't competitive the entire time I think I finished eighth or ninth which I guess isn't terrible but I think I was 30 minutes behind the the winner of the race who happened to be uh, Mr. David Roach who Mm. I bumped into after the race we had some mutual friends and he kind of talked to me about how he thought I might have some potential on the trails and if he had some pointers that might be able to help me. And, you know, I think I was nervous about committing to a coach just because, when you commit to that, it's, you're committing to working hard and sticking to a plan and and putting Mm -hmm. in the work and you can't use, Oh, I went out to happy hour as an excuse. Or, (laughs) uh, we had where I was working at the time, you know, we had beer fridges. So it was like, Oh, Mm. two o'clock. Yeah. It's a good time to have a beer. (laughs) Um, you know, pastry, dessert chef, pastry chef. It was like, not, not the best environment for focus, but was David coaching back then? I mean, did he have a good reputation at that point? He was definitely coaching. Um, I don't think I was aware of... it. it takes
0: some trust, you know, to sign up with someone.
2: It absolutely does. But I think just the way that he was talking to me and the excitement. And it's really easy to to get behind someone when they're telling you, you can be the best. (laughs) You have a lot of potential. And uh, I was ready to learn. And so I just Mm kind of took the leap there. And uh, Way Too Cool was March 5th. I believe because my birthday was the next day, so March 5th, I turn 2016. So I turned 30, I believe. So big, Uh pretty, pretty big Big milestone. milestone. Already going through a pretty big crisis. Get a coach, start training that the next week, and it's a total shift in what I'm doing. Way more focus on hills, way more focus on short intervals and strides, and working on my speed. And I only have. Four or five weeks until my next attempt, which is at the Gorge Gorge Waterfall Hundred K, which hasn't mm-hmm. happened for the last couple couple of years because of um, yeah, flooding. they got hit
1: by fires just like we did. Fire. It might have been flooding. I I don't know which what. I thought I heard that the, there was a big fire that just tore up the the. Uh, at least the last year system. it
0: was canceled because of fires. It may have been flooding
2: earlier. Yeah. It, so they've been dealing with. Hopefully, it comes back next year because it was an amazing course. But uh, entered with. I don't think I was definitely more confident. I had I had done a couple long runs in Marin, had had time on trail, so I felt better about that. I had, you know, the confidence and backing of a coach at this point, so that helped. And just ran a, a much more intelligent race than I had before. Every climb felt a lot easier than it had previously and certainly wasn't a cakewalk. I think I, I made the turnaround in fourth or fifth place and and got very excited and, and found myself in second. And then suddenly blew up a little bit and had 20 miles to get to the finish, not feeling great and just looking over my the whole time, hoping nobody was going to catch me. And um, not unlike Bandera, I I get to about two miles to go and I look ahead and I see the first place guy and start charging, but it's it's a little too late. And I think I I finished about half a minute behind him. So it's kind of my MO is finishing these golden ticket races just behind the leader. (laughs) just want to want to want to you know assert myself as a as a name in in the sport but don't want to want to fly a little under the radar you can't yeah. can't be taken well those, i mean uh, humility goes a long early. way you know
1: just do it on sure. purpose sure. sure absolutely so so okay so that's how you got in and then uh so th- you said that was around march or april f- for uh for that race yep okay and then after that, you just start. What do you do to prepare for states? Same kind of thing. Just hit the Marin trails and run a lot.
2: That's what I should have done. Um, um, two weeks after that, I was signed up for the Boston Marathon. Ah. Against my coach's advice, I decided to do it. Against my coach's recommendation, I did not uh, adhere to the pacing plan he suggested. And he wanted me to run like six minute pace. I thought I could run 5.30 pace, uh, ended up running 5.30s for half the race and then 6.30s for the second half and, and hit six minute pace, but not the way that <laughs> I think he wanted me to do it. Right. Um, and, and then soon after that, I actually had to fly to Japan for, for work. So I was in Tokyo for a week, which is not ideal for, for any sort of training. And um, certainly your first experience in Tokyo... Uh, there's a couple late evenings, a little bit, a little bit of sake, so probably, probably not the best uh, experience. Back to back weekends, and kind of came back to San Francisco feeling a little out of shape, extremely tired, and you know jet lagged, et cetera, et cetera, and just not particularly motivated to train. And it took kind of. Uh, some serious talks with, with David to convince me that I I could get back in shape. And it seems so difficult when you're in those low moments that you can, you know, rebound pretty quickly, but signed up for some local races. I think in early June, I did a local 35 K felt great and suddenly entered States extremely nervous about the distance, but had put in the training that I needed to do to, to believe that I could
1: do it. Well, it seems like you pulled off a pretty decent performance. I mean, you placed uh, ninth, right? I was seventh. Seventh, okay. There I you was go. seventh, yeah. And you were the only person that was not sponsored, right? In the top ten? I believe that is correct. Now, sponsored is
2: a very loose term, but um, I was the only person at the awards ceremony who was not wearing the same brand for all of their apparel. So let's... Uh, <laughs> there you go. Um, a major yeah, sponsorship. It was, Yeah. And, uh, it was, uh, I mean, it was a great experience. I don't think I've ever run as hard and been as mentally strong as I was during that race. Like I, I had so many low points and they came so early. I was already blown up at mile 30 and I was telling my crew like, Hey, we got to reset expectations. I just want to finish now. Like I, (laughs) and somehow time and time again, I willed myself out of that. And a lot of it had to do with my crew and pacers who were just incredibly positive all day but the other thing was like uh, i crossed the river mile 78 mile 80 i get get some updates that i'm in 11th or 12th place and like there's four or five guys within striking distance and and the competitive bug kind of took over and it's so much easier to be chasing than to be chased and i was just in a really good position and just excited to to compete against these guys. And there was a ton of yo-yoing between myself and three or four other runners for the next 20 miles. And it made it a lot more painful, but it certainly went by more quickly. And I was fortunate. I kind of, uh, ended up on the, the right side of, of, of those runners. Cause I think there was four or five of us within a 10 minute spread.
1: Wow. That's amazing though. That must be, uh, quite, a quite an experience finishing high up in a race that's so prestigious and exciting. Um,
0: well, speaking of low points, I wanted to ask you about this sort of the last three races you've, you've gone through, you sort of had a couple of low points with Javelina and Cape town, and then you finished on such a high point. Like what's, what's it like mentally just to sort of work through that and get back on top?
2: Yeah. Uh, I mean, Really, the the low point started at mile sixty five of Western States the next year, and we could talk about that at some point. But okay. um, I think I had I had much I, I had no expectations the first year, and that's the best position to be in. I mm-hmm. really would wanted to finish in the top ten, but if it happened, great. If it didn't, it was my first hundred mile. I, I could not be upset with just finishing. Mm-hmm. The second time I wanted to do something great, I had put in a lot of hard work and something just didn't click. And, I, whether it was nutrition or the heat or just, you know, bad food or just not mentally strong enough in the important parts of the race, I bonked hard, had to walk the last 35 miles of the race. And, wow. um, it was, it was, a. I was very happy with and proud that I finished, but it certainly wasn't as satisfying as the previous year. And uh, it took me two months really to struggle through the stress of having UTMB lined up next and not feeling prepared to then finally deciding not to do it and eating all these costs that I'd already thrown at my flights and my hotels and everything else. And, Mm -hmm. and I just, couldn't find the motivation. And it was a very interesting time in my life because I wasn't working and just kind of sitting around all day is is not a great place to be when you aren't training uh, really the whole day. And uh, that absence of structure and purpose really impacted me. And that's where I decided to move to Boulder. But even when I got to Boulder, I just, I could not find that excitement and uh, consistency that I had built up over the previous two years. And very few races over the next 18 months did I feel confident towing the line that I could do something great. I had a couple good marathons. I had a decent 50 K or two, but anything longer than that, I was just not mentally confident at the start that I could be competitive. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was a really tough way to, to enter these races. And so, I mean, the results show like there's, there's a reason that I I had these, these poor results. And I, I I don't think that my fitness could have possibly changed that dramatically between December 1st when Cape Town happened and January 5th when Javelina, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sorry, when Bandera happened, but I did have two really strong training weeks in Arizona where I was running in the 120 miles and had some good long runs and workouts. But the biggest thing was that I left my job a lot of the stress and anxiety that had been building up over the the last couple of months was eliminated and I finally got to a place where I just was happy again and it's just a just a, a much better you know outlook on everything and I went into bandera not only feeling more fit and confident than I had previously but also like didn't feel the same pressure that i had put on myself previously and was just excited to be out there and, um, happened to put together a decent race. I was fortunate. Unfortunately for some of my, one of my training partners here in, in Boulder, Matt Daniels bonked, was having a great race then hit his head in, on a tree. Uh, I heard about that. Yeah. And had a concussion and Some other people had off days, and so I just happened to be the lucky guy that day. And that's the really scary thing about this entire golden ticket process. Like, any time that you do not finish in the top 10 of Western states, there is very little guarantee unless you're a handful of runners that you will be back at the start line the the next year. And uh, it's, it's very scary. And if you look at the the way the fields are building, shaping up for the next couple of races, it is going to be so competitive and Mm. you could have a great day. And all it takes is two other people to have great days and you're out of a ticket. And with a hundred K and 50 mile, like it's very, it's all too easy to have a bad day. And, and, uh, there's only so many opportunities you have that uh, I don't even know if many guys are signed up for more than one. So if you don't have that perfect day and happen to have the rest of the the field play out the way that you want, uh, you could be out of luck. That's a lot of pressure for sure. Yeah. So I am relieved. I'm very relieved that that is, that is behind me.
1: So what's your, uh, your plan or approach to Western States this year? Are you going to try to do something different? Are you going to try to take that headspace of like, just going to try to get yourself into enjoyment and get out there relaxed or do you have thoughts? I have not thought far enough into
2: the future. I I am laser focused right now on this marathon buildup. I am really excited to be working with a coach again. And uh, I, I absolutely cherished everything that I learned from David, but uh, for multiple reasons, I decided to go with um, my former high school teammate and friend, uh, Christo Landry, who I've, I've kind of introduced on on the Mako Show a couple times, but part of the reason is we worked incredibly well together. The last time that I was training for marathons, he was the one coaching me before the San Francisco marathon, but two, he, he is a really good friend of mine and we've kind of grown apart over the years. He's on the East coast and this is an opportunity for us to really reconnect. So it's kind of been a double bonus. He's getting married later this year. So I think it, I think it's nice for us to to reconnect a little bit and I'm hoping that I can help out his business as well. So he's trying to build out a coaching business. And I'm hoping that by introducing him on my show and, and all of the insight he, he's been providing me, people will see that he's a really well-informed, way more experienced both runner and coach than, than I will ever be. And for anyone that has marathon ambitions or anything on the roads, he's an amazing coach to do that. But that's a that's a tangent. Um, so yeah, I mean, I am I'm, I'm really just focused on getting to this marathon at the end of the March at, at the end of March as as fit and as ready as possible. And then I have to pretty quickly switch gears because Lake Sonoma is three weeks after that, and the canyons is two weeks after that.
1: How difficult is it to transition from one? Like <clears throat> when you run a road marathon, it, it's a lot harder on your body. In, in some ways than you know running on soft trails and stuff is it mm-hmm. is the turnaround manageable it just seems like that's always been a really uh, crazy thing to do
2: I, yeah i'm not sure how i've been blessed and it may have to do with the amount that i've been running or the fact that i've done these longer trail races but my recovery time regardless of the discipline is pretty pretty remarkable yeah like i i ran bandera on saturday uh, didn't get to our hotel until after midnight woke up at four to catch a flight the next day and uh, despite that you know obviously sleep the night before is one of the most important things for recovery missed that clearly Mm -hmm. i was working out again by the next friday and doing long runs so i mean that was that was pretty fast for me i i would imagine that the muscle soreness is going to be higher for the marathon like just the fact that you're running in these flimsy flats as opposed to these you know slightly more supportive shoes you're engaging i I certainly i i feel like i Rediscover my calves every time I start doing speed work again. Like I don't, I don't seem to use them at all when I'm on the trails. But certainly, right now for the last week, they've just been on fire. So there's certainly something going on there. And (laughs) and yeah, you'll definitely get some niggles. And I think I've just been blessed that they they haven't been too severe in in the previous marathons. But I'm going to be pretty smart about what I do this time. And I obviously would like to be competitive at Lake Sonoma. I think the races. going to be very competitive and I've done it before. So I have experience on, on the course and know how I'd like to run it. But
1: yeah, I must've watched that Lake Sonoma, the, the run Steve get high video, like 10 times. It's one of my favorite, (laughs) just if I'm on a treadmill, I'll put that on and just loop it.
2: That's awesome. Yeah. I mean that, that, uh, that's a, that's a great way to get inspired. I, I, it's amazing footage and, uh, that was a a fun race for sure. But I think the, I mean, the goal is, is Western State. So if those races, I'm not prepared to be competitive, the main thing that I want to get out of them is experiencing six, seven, eight hours on my feet and dealing with nutrition and making sure I'm fueling property properly. I mean, the ultimate goal is that I can do these races without any... GI emergencies like uh, I don't I don't I don't tend to have stomach issues but I do have bathroom breaks on occasion and (laughs) eliminating figuring out a way to eliminate those would be an amazing step but also just getting to the end of these races and not feeling completely spent yeah would will give me confidence going into state so I think people get very scared when you see that sort of a racing schedule but the intent is to treat these more like very long efforts Mm -hmm. and just you know practicing getting everything right, rather than um, really pushing to the limits on all those races. So I would love to be ready to, to really get after it in one of them, but I, I, I know that both is certainly out of the question. And I, at some point, like the hardest thing with our sport is when the first race of the year is January 5th and, peop- and, and you're finishing the season December 1st, there's not a lot of time for downtime. <laughs> and if I want to do Western States well and also do anything for the rest of the year and try to do utmb i'm gonna need to take some downtime and that is going to be very tough for me to do especially if i'm fit and feeling great but i really want to hold myself accountable to taking like a full week off either after the marathon or or after those those two big
1: races in april you are trying to get it back into utmb or did you get in i'm i'm in the
2: race i i, I think i I guess my, I, I don't know if my Western States from 2016 is still helping my ITRA ranking, but I, I, I have a high enough status that um, I can get in and avoid the lottery because I think every year that lottery is getting a little bit harder for UTMB. So I'm in the race. I've bailed on it once before, so I'm hoping not to do it again, but I'm also going to hold off on booking most of that travel until I get through a little bit more of the season to make sure that I, I still feel excited and, and uh, ready to go for that. That's uh, good.
0: With UTMB, do you still keep that first American <coughs> winner badge in the back of your mind since that hasn't been taken
2: yet? You, oh man. Um, is that
0: a big draw for you?
2: Or- uh, I don't think that's particularly realistic for me. I uh, Much like, my first western states experience i think utmb is such a different beast that mm-hmm. i'm going to i'll feel like a rookie and it's going to be a, a brand new experience and uh, i mean my first western states didn't go terribly so there's a possibility that this goes well but i really am approaching it as an opportunity to gain some experience and just see if i like the european scene mm-hmm. i've uh, i've started dating some french women so i can understand the culture a little bit better nice. and, there you go Um, So those are like kind of the most important steps that I need to get out of the way early. But I mean, I've still never used poles before, hiking poles, so Mm -hmm. that's something that needs to get introduced. I I experienced it at Cape Town, but I know it's going to happen again. The the aid stations are stocked very differently than what we expect in the US, so I I need to be prepared for that. And just the amount of climbing is just unbelievable, like I I cannot even fathom what that will feel like and and how my quads are going to feel on all those descents. So. Mm it's It's really the best thing that could happen there is that I walk away excited to do it again, or walk away uh knowing that I never want to do it again i want I want a definitive yes or no i want I want this again, not well, something something in between where I'm like, eh, yeah. it is okay hopefully
0: it was a becomes a positive experience. everyone seems to rave about it. It's just the whole atmosphere is very energetic it seems
2: at the very least i'd I'd hope I could pick up a couple more subscribers that's the okay. That's the priority. <laughs> Well, there you
0: go. Well, we can talk about your show for a minute. It, you seem to be one of the few, at least elite athletes, that have you know some entertaining videos out there. Uh, what got you started in that? Just, I mean, the whole runcation thing. I mean, being a sponsored athlete, or excuse me, retirement. Run <laughs> yeah. not runcation. Yeah. That's something totally different. <laughs> um, just like, what inspired that? Did you have a video background in the background, or do you just like to be creative that way?
2: <clears throat> no. Um... Very uncomfortable with the idea of <laughs> putting a camera in front of me and talking to it and then posting it online. I kind of did it on a whim. Somebody asked me to write up, uh, kind of track my day for an entire week, so write down kind of hour by hour what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And that quickly became a little tedious, so I decided, oh, why don't I just record a video of what I'm doing instead? And mm-hmm. Uh, posted it online, not really knowing who was going to view it, and made kind of the dumb mistake of posting it on my social media. So (laughs) at the time, my social media, I actually had friends on social media. It wasn't these (laughs) random runners from across the world. But um, I I don't know how much they enjoyed the content. But uh, I I very quickly, uh, I still felt very uncomfortable about the filming aspects of it, but I very quickly became excited about the thrill of editing and adding nice. some creativity to it and the the kind of pride and joy of, of putting together something good that I was proud of. So that, that was a, a very exciting time for me. And unfortunately, it didn't last for very long because kind of after Western States, when I was in a bit of a lull, I didn't really feel, I didn't have the energy to, to get on camera mm-hmm. and didn't really have much to, to update the world about. So um Didn't really get back to it consistently until probably this fall and had a couple spatterings of, and it kind of tracks with my training. When I got excited about running again, I thought about, you know, getting excited about the YouTube channel again. But at the end of the day, like the amount of time that I'm spending on it is a little embarrassing. (laughs) And uh, when I was, when I had a full-time job, like it was get home from work, go for my run. And then. From 6 p.m. until midnight, I was working on the next video, um, and that just wasn't really sustainable. And mm-hmm. every time I was at work, I was excited about doing this footage, or I'd have an idea on my run that I want to film, but then wouldn't be able to actually do it, and then I'd lose the the excitement by later in the day. I think that there's that you know people talk about the golden hour of like sunrise and sunset. There's this. Uh, Small window of time, probably thirty minutes after your run, where your, your, your adrenaline's pumping, endorphins are high, and you could you're really capable of doing anything. And uh, that's the time you need to to capture it on camera. And if you don't get it during that window, you know you a more blah yeah you get a little bit less excited you suddenly like start questioning what you're doing and you're like oh maybe this isn't such a good idea so uh, you got to you got to capture those those highs and that's the best time to do it but that's awesome. yeah so so now i really do have a bit more time to invest in that and that's exciting i'm trying to get into a habit of doing more routine updates on Doing a weekly training update, and I, I know that that is geared to a pretty specific audience, and it's not going to be for everyone. And it does get a little technical, and I, I still see I mean, I think I look to to Sage's can, channel quite a bit mm-hmm. as um, uh, a little bit of inspiration. And and what he's been able to do is pretty remarkable. And yeah, and content, he's kept at
1: it for years, too.
2: He's been doing it for years, he has a amazing library of content, and the thing that really differentiates what he is doing versus what I'm doing is he provides a lot of educational material that can help runners, and uh, not only is it valuable for for any runner, especially beginning runners, but it's also much easier to, to... for search engines to find, huh, and I, I don't think there's a lot of people that go to YouTube and are like, man, I'd really just like to follow some goofy runner that I don't know and see what journey he goes on. And All well, um, you gotta do is search pancakes
1: and you find Chris Mako. Yeah.
2: Um, so I think I think that there's definitely a very engaged audience who is following it, but it's it's definitely smaller numbers than uh, those who are searching for, like, how to train for an, a marathon.
0: hmm well, do your sponsorships play a role in any of this? I mean, do they say, "Hey, you're putting out these cool shows? Uh, can you pitch us?" I mean, has that even come up? How does that work? Or is that uh, behind the curtain too far, a little inside baseball?
2: Uh, no, no. There's there's nothing that well it, there's nothing that's too far in inside uh, for us to discuss here. I fortunately I have a great relationship with Nike, and I, I've been very careful about. Working with sponsors, I mean, part of it is not that many have come out to to Mm -hmm. reach out to me. Um, I think I had a very short window where my running was going really well, the YouTube was starting to take off, and I was able to capitalize that with Nike, and they've been incredibly supportive over the last year and a half, where the performances weren't really there, but I I had a hard time convincing our team manager. But I knew deep down that I had more in me, and I hope I'm able to prove that this year, but. I think in general, I I choose my races. Uh, I, I don't feel pressure if I need to drop out of a race because of an injury or I'm just not That's motivated good. to do it. I can do that. And as far as YouTube content, Instagram posts, all of that, like there's no quota for what I need to be doing. And I probably it would be good for me to have some quotas on Instagram because I, I don't really use it as much as I used to. I, I find like – Twitter and Instagram to be pretty addicting platforms and you can get pretty far down a rabbit hole if sure. you engage on it. I feel like Instagram for me, every time I'm trying to search for somebody, I then get to that explore tab and suddenly just go <laughs> down uh, some deep, dark place where like, how did I end up here? And, see, for and me, I, that's
1: YouTube. Like, it's like, why okay. am I watching a video of a girl crying crystals? <laughs>
2: uh yeah it's 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 a little scary when you like step back and like oh that was a half an hour of my life that i just spent doing that so um i i try not to spend too much time and i also well i embarrassingly had for the first time in probably six months i i took photos during one of my runs of you know like propped up my camera against a a frozen piece of grass and tried to do some running shots with the flat irons in the background. And of course they came out terribly, but (laughs) it was like such a beautiful morning that I was trying to capture it. And I've got an older iPhone, so the camera is not great. And then I haven't, I'm not great with the timer. So trying to line up running past the phone when the the camera's going off, wasn't great. Actually
1: a pro tip I learned from Eric, who's a, he's a wedding photographer. Um, the, uh, slow-mo video just, put it on 120 Uh, 120 frames per second video. It doesn't even
2: have to be slow-mo. Just any video and
0: then do a frame grab from
1: that.
2: Oh, my gosh.
0: It's changed my life.
2: Coming from a guy who does a lot of filming, you'd think
0: that I would have thought of that. Yeah, as long as there's plenty of light, as long as it's not, like, dark yet, you can get some pretty good frames out of your videos. Unbelievable. That's just changed my life right there. Okay. (laughs) I expect to see some uh, selfie game up on Strava starting tomorrow. (sighs)
2: What about so? I really need help with GoPro. I um, I I spend a lot of time thinking about investments that I can do to improve what I'm doing on YouTube and elsewhere. And a recent purchase was a GoPro. And yeah, I'm in that same boat.
1: I just bought one. I bought myself one for Christmas.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like at home at Christmas. Uh, Santa is about to come, and I'm online buying stuff for myself because I deserve it, right? And uh, I I posted some footage recently, and it wasn't particularly well-received, and I'm a little disappointed because the most recent GoPro is supposed to be great on image stabilization and have like hyper-stabilization, and I feel like I'm doing it correctly, but it, it did not come out as stable as I would have liked, and it was a bit jerky, so... kind of disappointed in that and everyone who commented was like get a gimbal man and like I don't think people realize that running with a gimbal for two hours is not like the best way to to, to, train to run so yeah uh, and then I almost at Bandera I was considering actually strapping on a head strap and and running with it for a couple miles and I I fortunately decided against it and I think it probably would have been really interesting footage and it's definitely it could have cost you the
1: race though yeah it'd take another of time come,
2: certainly could have cost me my, the race and like i probably would have stopped and troubleshooted if it stopped filming or something and so i'm not quite there yet i'm not quite uh That's at tough. the point where i'm going to be racing with a gimbal so
0: <laughs> yeah i've I done it once and it was a kind of like a big backyard type format race here locally in northern california okay and it was a lot of work uh, st- i mean i would stow the gimbal pack and take it out and shoot and it was just it's you know it's just an extra element of stress,
2: for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that being said, like there, it certainly could be interesting because outside of like Jamil and some other guys who are actually kind of chase the leaders for a little bit, there you don't see a lot of of the f- front of the race, and it could be a pretty interesting perspective if it can be done right. So I'm definitely going to keep on experimenting there, but I, I certainly would not want it to ever mm-hmm. impact my performance. That would that would for not sure. be ideal.
0: Yeah. Well, that's cool that Nike is so flexible. I I would think that like, it's kind of like when you have a hobby and then you decide to do it for a living and then that kind of steals the joy, like having that pressure of a sponsor, like I got to perform, I got to, you know, do all these things to keep my sponsorship, AKA keep a roof over my head. I mean, it seems really important that the sponsor have, I don't know, just be cool with imperfection, you being human, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah. it can't be easy for them because, you know, the team manager has to report to somebody and share the results. And when I can't contribute to to those results, that's not ideal. Um, And I I certainly, especially earlier on, felt like I needed to prove myself to them. And uh, when things started going poorly, I got nervous. Like, there's a very, very minimal quota of races that you need to do for the year. And Mm. I got nervous. Like, am I going to be able to hit this? And I, I'm sure they would have been flexible if, if I didn't, like they'd be totally understanding. But I did feel like I needed to to do it. And, you know, I think that part of that was then forced me to show up to these races when I was ill-prepared and and not in the right state to be towing the line. And forcing ultra races is just not a very good place to be.
0: Yeah. Well, so, is, is Nike making a, a bit of a push in the trail scene? It doesn't seem like there is big they're more road guys, but are they trying to make a bigger push in the road or trail side?
2: Yeah. When you, I mean, when you step back and look at Nike as an organization and I mean, you could just look at running and how massive of, of an organization that is. Sure, and, you know, track and field running, uh, track and field road running. There's a lot going on. And, and so it's pretty easy for something as small as trail running to get lost in that. But I, I think they're aware of, The fact that the sport is growing and there's definitely more interest. And I think every time that I share some new article of clothing with the Nike trail logo on it and the amount of excitement that people get and then frustration when they find out that it's not available for sale or it's only available at San Francisco Running Company, like there's definitely a lot of interest in what, in what we're doing. And I think that it's really gonna to come to light in, in the next couple of years. I've seen a lot of the prototypes of of the shoes that we're working on, and I think it starts with having an amazing product. And I, I think the Kyger and Wild Horse are great shoes, but what's coming in the future is gonna be amazing. And if you think about just all of the amazing advancements they've done on the roads, like if we we're able to port any of that onto mm. the trails, it'd be. I mean, I don't expect us to have a four percent shoe at any point. Like that <laughs> it probably wouldn't work out so well. That'd but, be amazing. Um, there's some amazing technology that Nike has created and been the leaders in innovation for so long that. Uh, getting any of that onto the trail would would really give us a leg up on on the competition And I, I think a lot of people would get excited about that. There's one thing people like Especially in the triathlon word world. It's a it's a gimmicky product that you can get behind and having a marketing campaign like 4% like as soon as you know that 45 year old got Ironman qualifier found out that that existed you know he needed that for the race. Yeah. It was probably like the worst thing for you after you've done a 112 mile bike ride. But I mean, I can, I can attest to the fact that those shoes are absolute magic and um, I, I'm well, hoping I'll have a fresh pair for, for this, this next uh, marathon, but uh, just
0: look at any major marathon photo, like at the start, it's like half or two thirds of the shoes are all orange. <laughs>
2: yeah. It's, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And, and, and you don't, you don't see that in the trail world right now. And uh, f- fact of the matter is there isn't I don't really feel like there's a dominant player right now. There's so many different options right now that uh, fortunately folks have uh, the ability to choose what works for them best and and they're so varied in how they approach it. Like an ultra shoe is so different than a Hoka shoe, which is so different than a Nike shoe. And Mm -hmm. and so you have so many options. And I think the thing that I benefit from Nike and some of these other companies do not really have the same uh, portfolio of shoes, but I do a lot of training on trails, but probably once a day, even on trail days, I'm spending time on roads as well. And so having the option to swap into a road shoe, even on some non-technical trails, a road shoe is great. And and then being able to even get into road flats and, and lighter shoes for faster workouts, like that range of shoes does not exist in any other brand. So as a sponsored athlete, it's great to have that sort of portfolio of shoes to choose from and uh, you could i'm looking at my my shoe wall right now of just the <laughs> shoes that i'm currently using and uh i mean there's a couple of pairs of each but one two three four there's probably six or seven different types of shoe and nice. just having that variety certainly helps with injury prevention as well
1: i just wish that nike would do some kind of like a, a lower drop shoe I, I go back and forth between using my ultras, and I, I run in uh, the Pegasus. Okay. And I love the Pegasus. I just wish it didn't feel like I was running in a muscle car. <laughs> but someday I can hope.
2: Yeah, I, I, I switch. Uh, I'm a big believer in the Pegasus. I also swap uh, the Vomero. is just a little bit more cushioned, and uh, feel it's just an amazing ride. And I'm I believe I'm getting a shipment today of the newest Vomero. I think it's the Vomero. 14 i get my numbers mixed up but uh it's it looks like a it might be adding in some of that epic react cushioning and it it just looks like a really nice profile shoe even if it doesn't feel good it certainly looks amazing so (laughs) i'm hoping that the color scheme is is at least is at least good
1: yeah hey so you're also uh you're relaunching your coaching too right how's how's that going
2: yes Glad you brought that up. Um, I, yeah, so probably a month ago I announced that I was going to be picking up some athletes primarily to focus on training for Western states and I got some really positive feedback. I am working with five athletes at the moment in addition to former co-workers as well as uh mama Mako, is running a half marathon this weekend so sweet
1: that's awesome um,
2: i've got a quite a range of of athletes but most of them are doing western states and yeah i think i've been very lucky that the athletes that i've gotten to work with are all just incredibly motivated interesting individuals and really eager to learn and and have a plan and structure to their training so things have been going really well so far and it's embarrassing to admit, but I get notifications on my phone for the program. I use Final Surge every morning, and I, I have a hard time going back to sleep once I start getting these notifications. So I'm up at 5 with my coffee, and uh, Sports Center's on the background, and I'm just checking their logs and, and geeking out on splits and stuff. So it's, it's really fun to share that experience. And now that I'm also in Western States, I'll, I'll have an opportunity to actually you know meet them in person be on the start line with them and that's cool and just share all my experiences from the race as well so
1: sweet that's exciting so i th- we're probably right at what you were saying the 69 minute mark or so
2: <laughs> that was not intentional that was not intentional it just happened to be when i looked at the, the clock although i will say my fingers are crossed i uh, did not realize at the time, but when I uh, submitted my name to the Western States Lottery, I didn't realize my preferences that I had saved for that would immediately auto-populate for um, the Golden Ticket uh, registration process. So apparently, my preferred bib number is uh, one less than 70. So we'll see if we'll see if I if I get that magic number. I think I've only raced in it once before, and it did not go well. So um, uh, and I and then another time, I remember running in. In sixty eight, and my friend commenting that that would be the closest I ever got to sixty nine, oh which is probably, tr- which is probably true. At this point in my life, there, you know, there's not a lot more wild nights in my future. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that, uh, I, I might be almost thirty three, but I still have just a little bit of immaturity left in me. So I think that's important <laughs> to be able to keep that.
0: Yeah. Well, well, we appreciate your sense of humor. That's I think what makes <laughs> your YouTube channel so entertaining. Is it's you. It's like you're not. Like editing out the parts where you're embarrassed, someone saw you recording. You know, I think that's the funny parts. Yeah, yeah and I mean, I, so I, much
1: uh, of the sport and people that post stuff is just so stoic and right. Yeah,
0: it's just it's almost fake, and I appreciate the realism. Yeah, because there's hope for us mid-packers that we could maybe someday,
2: you know, eat your dust. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the nice thing about these hundred milers is. You know, for most races, it's a 50-50 chance as to whether the the elites are going to blow up or not. Well, so that's true. Anytime you toe the line, you have an opportunity. And you know, if if an elite DNFs and you finish the race, that's a that's a victory. I don't. I don't there's no way around that. So um, as long as you show up and, and finish the race, you you're definitely putting yourself in a position to to beat a lot of of talented folks. So, yeah, and I appreciate that about the about the channel. And you know, I think. It's probably a slightly exaggerated form of my personality, but I I don't know. If you if you saw me at a party, I probably would act pretty similarly because I think uh, an exaggerated form of myself comes out there too. And it probably does not uh, rub everyone the correct way, but uh, I I hope I haven't offended too many people. And at least when I show up to these races now and, and see so many folks who aren't even calling me Mako anymore, but are calling me C money, which is just ridiculous to me that, you know, <laughs> why that came into my head filming one day that I'd start calling myself that. And why I talk in third person when I'm doing filming, like I, I don't know what's going on. And then, like me looking at my, I can't rewatch my videos very often after I'm done editing. Cause I'm just so embarrassed about <laughs> the person that I'm looking at, but uh, you know, I think it's fun. I'm glad it don't change. It's sometimes I'm so, it's sometimes entertaining and, uh, yeah, I feel like you know it's cool to be serious and, and stoic at times. But even during the race, if, if you're taking yourself too seriously, man, it's you got to yeah. step back and be like, you know, at the very least, you're competing for you know a couple hundred dollars, maybe a couple thousand dollars. Is not like uh, uh, we're, we're going after. Right. Know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in prize money. And, uh, you know, it's such a long race that taking yourself too seriously is just not a great way to enjoy it. So,
1: yeah. Well, thanks for joining us. Um, this is a blast. Uh, you know, maybe uh, you finish up this year and we'll have you on again and see how the rest of your year went. And see if you did UTMB and all that jazz. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening check us out on social media at random runner pod on twitter and instagram random runner podcast at gmail.com send us any questions comments concerns anything you'd love to see in the show we'd love to hear what you have to say see you next week